I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'll let you in on uh, a little secret that preachers keep. Most of us cannot work on our Easter Sunday sermons until Holy Saturday. And even then, it's difficult. I know we know what's going to happen on Sunday morning, but we still feel that we're in an in-between time, a time of suspense and a time of shadows on, on Holy Saturday. And after the emotional investment of a sermon on Good Friday, it's hard to sit down on Good Friday afternoon and pretend it's Easter. And so yesterday, um, I had made a, three starts on this sermon, uh, and I really wasn't able to bring it together until I had been out and come back again. And where I was when I was out was at Mount Pleasant Cemetery. Both appropriate, an appropriate place to be on Holy Saturday, but also a place that propels us forward to Easter Sunday. I also received some news yesterday from a friend. Linda's father died yesterday. Now, Linda is a good friend, and for five years in Halifax, she was our pastor. I always appreciated her preaching and her ability to take risks when she preached with three faculty members from the Atlantic School of Theology in the congregation, including the professor of preaching. But in the long hours at her father's bedside this week, she kept her friends up to date posting reflections on Facebook. It was part of her personal work as she waited for her father's imminent death after a stroke early in the week. Her, po her posts were so profound and amazing, all I could say to one of them was, thank you, Pastor. The beautiful message she composed yesterday actually reminded me of one of her Easter sermons. She's a memorable preacher. And my memory of that sermon can be summed up in one sentence. Don't tell me there's no such thing as resurrection because I've seen resurrections. Now for Linda and for me too, the resurrections that we can see follow the pattern of Jesus' resurrection. When we've decided there's no hope, when we've exhausted every possibility, when we have genuinely done everything we can and there's no way forward that we can see, we give up. When we encounter stubborn people, judgmental people, people who refuse to listen or talk or love, we try to walk away. And surprise, there's a resurrection. And in that memorable sermon, Linda shared from her pastoral ministry and from her family, and she shared again yesterday that she had seen resurrections along the way in her father's life. I often say cynically that people don't ever really change. And I can always find evidence to support that assertion. And then I hear a story, or I meet someone, and I remember that it's not true. People can change, and people do change. 180-degree turnarounds. It's possible for people to, who hate and are hateful 
to turn toward love and let it in and give love back. It's possible for a man who judges and rejects others because of their race, religion, economic status, sexuality, or gender identity. It's possible for a person like that to turn around and embrace people who couldn't be more different from them. It's possible for a woman wounded by bad religion and angry at the God she has known and justifiably angry at the people who have hurt her in God's name, it is possible that she can discover the loving face of God and find faith again. And we can only call that resurrection because no arguments work, no proofs work, no reasoning works. It can only be the work of God. The resurrection of Jesus is unique, but it sets a pattern. And it lets us in on a secret. God is in the resurrection business. Because Jesus is alive, we are Easter people, not Good Friday people. Good Friday people, and there are many of them, say, Jesus died for our sins, we can never forget that, and so we have to live in the shadow of the cross and look forward to leaving this world because there's no hope in it but there will be a better life in the world to come. Easter people look at the world and say Jesus rose and anything is possible. Change, real change, is possible. And just when hope dies to our eyes and hearts, it can be reborn. In our Easter Gospel, Luke tells us that the heavenly messengers ask the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? That seems like a, a cruel question. It seems as if the messengers think the women should know better. And the angels effectively say that with their question. But their question and their reminder of Jesus' words aren't just for them. Therefore, us. Luke tells the story to believers, like the women, when they remember Jesus' words. Luke tells the story to disciples, to the church, to us, who know the story, but maybe we don't get it. And we should know better than to seek the living among the dead. We should know better than to give in to despair, even when dying and death are all we can see. We should know better, but we are only human. That's why we have to celebrate Easter year after year and remember, as I told the children, we worship on Sunday because Jesus rose on a Sunday. And every time we gather to worship on a Sunday, it's a little Easter. But we don't have to look very far to be immersed in death in our world, to see things that scratch and gnaw away at our hope. Turn on news TV, listen to news radio, pick up a newspaper, especially a tabloid. Accidental deaths, murders, mass shootings, school shootings. Yesterday was the 20th anniversary of Columbine the first time anyone in North America could even have imagined a shooting in a school. Tuesday will be the first anniversary 
of the Willowdale sidewalk killings. We hear of death threats to people who dare to express unpopular opinions. For goodness sake, I follow English football. There are even death threats on players and managers if people don't like the results of a game. That is how lightly in our culture we take death. And then we have all of the predictions that our environment is spiraling downward to its death, maybe our deaths, possibly the early deaths of our grandchildren. We may wonder if there will be a world fit for our great-grandchildren to live on. And so Jude Nutter, the modern poet, concluded, the world is a grave with all the exits barred. But the good news today is that God is in the resurrection business. God demonstrates a persistent intention to rescue us from despair, to turn doubt and fear into courage and anticipation, and to enable us to see what we can do when all around us seems to tell us we can do nothing. It's important to remember that the Easter story is set in a graveyard. And a walk through a cemetery like Mount Pleasant can be calming and comforting. It is usually peaceful there. And on that walk, we may feel reassured by all the signs of undying love around us. We can believe that we won't be forgotten when our time comes. There are symbols of faith there too, all kinds of faith. And walking in a graveyard can make us reflect on our mortality, which is not a bad thing. But it's not something to do every day. But even standing there beside an open grave and speaking the best words that can be spoken in the face of death, we can affirm life. Pastors like me are privileged to see life even in those who grieve. Yes, to see resurrection life, even in grieving people, but people who aren't afraid in the face of death to reach out and renew their grasp on life. In sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ is what I always say the last words addressed to the grave, the best words we can say, when all signs are that death is an ending period full stop. In a book about the resurrection called Seeing the Lord, Marianne Sawicki defines the church as a community of those who have the competence to recognize Jesus as the risen Lord. The church specializes in discerning the risen one. Do you and I have the competence to recognize resurrections here at work in this world? Maybe we do. Maybe we're just not looking in the right places. And we know churches today <clears throat> are too often known for what their leaders and sometimes their members say is wrong wrong with people, wrong with the world, just wrong. We're known 
for declaring who can and who can't come in and be part of the church. And for the current generation, news of the despicable acts, the life-denying, death-dealing treatment of innocent people in some parts of the church apply to all of us. We can do better. We know we face a bad rep, bad images, but we can do better. We can let others know that we're in the resurrection business by recognizing and celebrating signs of life in this world, the positive, the good things that people do, whether they are people of faith or not. Here's something small, maybe a little step that might work for us. Two Sundays from now, on May the 5th, when you come into this church, do not complain about the street closures and the Toronto Marathon. Instead, come in and say a prayer for the runners. And if you see some running on your way to church, stop and cheer them on for doing a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And some of them get into that life of the marathon runner because they are celebrating or looking for a resurrection in their own lives or praying for a resurrection in the life of someone they love. And you just may run into a friend of mine. She's a Lutheran pastor from Halifax. And she runs with her congregation's support and blessings. And by the way, the name of her church is the Lutheran Church of the Resurrection. 